Well, hey, John. Hey there, Laurel. So, uh, you ready to podcast? Oh, yeah. You know it. You know, I'm actually glad we have some time to unpack some of the week's capital news. It was all over the place, and I was actually listening back to some of your stories to get ready, and there was just so much going on, I feel like you barely even scratched the surface on some of these issues. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I mean, I know it's radio, so you gotta be concise, but, like, this one about that package of GOP hunting bills with the uh, Sandhill Crane hunting? Pretty bare bones. Sandhill crane hunting, cranes, sandhill crane, cranes, endangered whooping crane, sandhill cranes. Laurel White, Wisconsin Public Radio. Huh, I swear I said more than that. Well, you know, you were busy. You also had that school transfer bill to cover. Under the bill, students, schools, school year, school year, scholastic students, schools, school. Laurel White, Wisconsin Public Radio. Okay, you're right, there's definitely more to that story. Plus, more news about the GOP investigation into the 2020 election with former Supreme Court Justice Mike Gableman. 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 So, uh, I mean, you ready to dive a little deeper into these? Oh yeah, we should definitely do that. All right. This is the WPR Politics Podcast. I'm John K. Wilson. And I'm Laurel White. Laurel White. Laurel White. Laurel White. Laurel White. This week on the podcast, state capital news, special extended cut. So, as everyone may have noticed, yet again, our very own Sean Johnson is not with us. He's off the map, as it were, because he's working on another podcast about maps, redistricting maps, which you should listen to. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, it's you good. like that? Yeah. It's, uh, in fact, it's called Mapped Out, WPR Reports Mapped Out. Go to WPR.org slash mapped out to subscribe because dude is doing good work even if he's abandoned us for the time being. (laughs) Don't worry. He'll be back soon. And in the meantime, we have a great roundup of capital stories to get to to really, you know, dig in and expand upon because Laurel's reporting this week was just it, it was short and to the point and concise, but <laughs> you gotta do <laughs> what you gotta do. There. You know, when Sean Johnson's out of the office, you know, I'm covering this beat, and just you just gotta snap through it. You just gotta, yep. you know, report and move on to the next thing, and file I'm, and forget, exactly, as they say yeah. in the industry. I'm glad I've got this podcast to add some more context for our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> um, so which one of these do we want to get to first? I guess maybe the the widest ranging one would be the the whole package of of hunting bills mm-hmm. like the the top line item that got the attention was a potential season for hunting sandhill cranes in Wisconsin but like there there was a lot in this package of bills including uh, stuff about other you know species and hunting and also Something about uh, constitutional carry, permits for concealed uh, weapons, and also rocker and hunting advocate and controversial conservative personality Ted Nugent was there. 
Yeah, there wasn't a bill about Ted Nugent, um, but <laughs> but he was present. Make, make him Wisconsin's the... <laughs> official, uh, you know, hunting personality or something. Wisconsin's official rock star. I don't think he would. Uh... I mean, he lives in Michigan, though, as far as I know. Right, so like that right. wouldn't that's not simpatico. I don't think that would fly. Um, unlike Sandhill Cranes. Hey there's my there's my transition. So that was good. Thanks. So yeah, the Sandhill Crane hunting bill was definitely, I think, um, the most high profile bill in this package for a few reasons. Uh, this is something. It's certainly not a new issue in Wisconsin. It's something that hunters and conservationists have been talking about for just years now. Um, about whether to create a hunting season for sandhill cranes. If you don't know what a sandhill crane is, I feel like it's kind of a, it's sort of, is it fair to say, like, would you agree with me that it's kind of an iconic Wisconsin bird? Like we've got the International yeah. Crane well, Foundation. I mean, there's the there's the sandhill crane and there's the whooping crane, which we'll get to in a second. But I'd say, yes, it is. Is it's an iconic Wisconsin bird mm-hmm. that looks like some sort of spindly dinosaur that a child drew exactly it's got the long spindly legs the long neck little narrow beak they're gray you've seen them. Got a little red on there you know yeah they make sounds that are like or, or something i don't know i'll just cut in an actual sandhill crane no i think you should there. i think you should leave that we're just like we're your cover songs and then now your bird um, bird calls. I think we're really expanding the oeuvre of uh, John Ooh. K. Wilson's audio capabilities. And we're speaking French, apparently. Yeah, apparently. I don't even know if I pronounced that right. I apologize to anyone and everyone. Oeuvre. Oeuvre. Um, so, like I said, this is something that folks have been talking about for a long time in Wisconsin. Um, these birds have been a big part of our con conservation conversation over the past several decades they have been here for a long time but at the kind of beginning of the 20th century there were just a really small number of them in Wisconsin because of a previous kind of hunting and development actions. Um, According to the state DNR, there were only 15 breeding pairs of the cranes um, in Wisconsin in the 1930s. So it got really dire. And they were absolutely on, you know, endangered, threatened population lists. And since then, through a series... Wait, just to fact check you there. Yeah. Was there an endangered species list back in the 1930s? Well, okay. So I don't know if there was an official list, but... They were flagged as a pop. Let's. I think the safest way to say it is they were flagged by the government mm-hmm. in some way as a population that was in trouble because the government decided to step in mm-hmm. in the intervening years and create, you know, protected populations for them, do things to help, you know, sandhill cranes proliferate in Wisconsin. And advocates of this hunting season say that those efforts have been so successful over the intervening decades that we're now at a point where the population is strong enough that we can start hunting them. Right. I mean, that was the argument that the uh, the sponsor, uh, Republican Mary Felskowski, was making, right? She was basically like, 
we should manage these birds like we manage every other resource. I, I always like the, uh, uh, the, the language there, um, managing a resource being, you know, shooting birds. Um, but well, like that's yeah. the, I mean, she says, you know, we do it for ducks and wa- other waterfowl and that's, you know, mm-hmm. and there's plenty of, plenty of these cranes out there. So we should be able to, to hunt them because we're a hunting state. Absolutely. Our heritage. And, and things like, and deer, you know, managing the yeah, deer population true. and farmers have said for quite a while now that sandhill cranes come in and they destroy their crops and it's a problem. So that there is there is definitely a push by certain groups in Wisconsin to say this population needs to be managed. And just for context, you know, there's um, a really interesting survey. I learned a lot about cranes this week. Uh, it's really too bad I didn't fit any of this into my story. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> the International Crane Foundation survey, which started... Uh, several decades ago, um, says that the population as of this year of sandhill cranes in Wisconsin is about 11,500, which is the most of any of the Midwestern states that they surveyed. So that's sort of the group that we're talking about, shy of 12,000, that are apparently some of them are making their way into farmers' fields and causing havoc, wreaking havoc. So then the issue, though, isn't without controversy, and we hinted at whooping cranes, which is one of the the issues here that folks who are against this idea of a hunt brought up, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you say whooping or whooping? I don't know. <laughs> Whoop, whooping? <laughs> whooping. I, I mean, it's definitely not a whooping crane. Right. It, but whooping. It, or a whooping crane, but it's like a whooping crane? Yeah. I feel like I had to practice like 25 times before I recorded my radio <laughs> thing, and I really got in my head about it. <laughs> um, so the, the the whooping cranes are uh, endangered, uh, according to the federal government. They are an endangered population. And folks say that because they do look pretty similar to sandhill cranes, a hunter could go out, accidentally shoot a whooping crane instead of a sandhill crane, and that would be a really big problem because conservationists are working very hard to kind of nurture that population and bring them back. So um, that was a definitely an element of the conversation this week as folks talked about like hey is it time to move forward with this sandhill crane hunting thing okay well i think that's a solid explanation of the crane part of things but there's a whole bunch of other stuff here that we also need to unpack yeah so this was a pretty wide-ranging package of bills as you mentioned before uh and i think kind of the other big one um that really you know, got some headlines, was a proposal to introduce constitutional carry in Wisconsin. This is something that we've seen before in the state legislature. Constitutional carry is basically allowing people to carry a concealed weapon in the state without a permit. Current state law allows you to open carry, so it's not concealed without a permit, but this would let you have it, you know, inside your jacket or whatever. Um, and advocates have this is actually another Mary Felskowski bill, same legislature legislator who uh, sponsored the Sandhill Crane proposal. She put this forward in 2017, wasn't successful. 
and she just argues that, you know, this is the constitutional right of gun owners, that they should be able to carry a concealed weapon if they want to, um, and that, you know, the pushback, the safety, the gun safety pushback um, isn't valid because, um, you know, she says, in her words, there are bad actors out there, but we're not going to penalize them um, because 95% of people are responsible gun owners. Wait, you, you said there are bad actors out there, but we're not going to penalize them. Oh, think, right. Sorry. <laughs> we're, there, we're gonna, there are bad actors. We're going to let them go. We don't want to penalize the good actors. Right, right, right. But we should probably penalize the right. bad actors. What does Willy Wonka say? Strike that and reverse it? I, that is what sure. Willy Wonka says. Trust me, it's one of my favorite movies. So strike that and reverse it. Strike that, reverse it. Um. um <laughs> so I, I guess you. So she's introduced this before. I don't, I don't remember if it was a standalone bill or a package of another part of another package, rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the through line here, I guess, being that you know, hunting often involves firearms. And this is a firearms bill, and that's why it's in this group. Yeah, I, I think guess. that's yeah. I think Sean would probably have something more more like analysisy and interesting to say about this. Is when we need Sean Johnson for historical Don't context speak his name. about <laughs> why maybe there was a choice about including this bill, which is not about hunting, um, into this package. But that was a choice that legislators made the rest of the bills in this package are squarely about hunting licenses regulations not just gun proposals mm-hmm. um i mean probably don't have time to run through all of them but mm-hmm. you want to just give a, a quick uh broad sweep of some of those other ones yeah so uh just some of the some of the highlights here, uh, some of them have to do with the minimum number of pheasants stocked for hunting in the state. Uh, for folks that don't know about that, you know, just pl- basically planting pheasants for pheasant hunting, uh, simplifying the wild turkey hunting seasons. Uh, sponsors say that's a little bit too complicated right now. Uh, there's a proposal to uh, require DNR to eliminate three rules. Uh, regulations every time they propose a new regulation. And that, I think, is a good example of kind of the overall vibe of this package. It's very, like, anti-regulation, anti-red tape for hunting in Wisconsin because sponsors say there has just been too much over the years added to hunting regulations, and it's made it kind of cumbersome for people that want to participate in this. And they say that's why... Um, hunting levels have gone down, which they have gone down across the country in recent years. So overall, this is an effort to kind of boost Wisconsin hunting. Um, And there's there's a whole bunch in here. So I don't think there's a clear answer to this. In fact, I know there isn't. But it's probably safe to say that some of these things Governor Tony Evers isn't going to like, isn't going to sign. Probably constitutional carry would be one. We we don't have confirmation about where he stands on the crane hunting thing or some right. of the other things. Um, do, is is am I missing anything in terms of what he's come out against or for in this package? No, I think you're right that it's pretty safe to say that he wouldn't sign a constitutional carry bill. Um, 
he didn't respond to requests for comment about the Sandhill Crane Bill um, or any of the other hunting regulations. It's worth noting that Democratic lawmakers weren't super thrilled with this package when it came out. Um, They said that, you know, Republicans didn't loop them into the process, um, that they should be focusing on other things like chronic wasting disease. So while we don't have an official response from the governor, we have a response from the governor's party that isn't particularly favorable. But speaking about parties who are thrilled about this package, <laughs> this brings us back to one Mr. Ted Nugent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what, what was he doing Yeah. Here? If you're somebody that follows Wisconsin politics, you probably noticed this week that Ted Nugent was in your Twitter feed or your news feed or wherever you consume news quite a lot. His name popped up. And that's because he came in for this press conference and it was a big deal you know whenever a celebrity lands in the capital people tend to talk about it he's an advocate for hunting Uh, this is something he's been working on for a long time Um, he is a politically active person a very politically polarizing person he's made some anti-semitic comments on facebook so he's not somebody without um you know, a strong, strong political character, I guess you could say (laughs) Ted Nugent is these days. Who would have thought? Right. (laughs) And, you know, his his argument is pretty similar to what I said before for the overall kind of vibe of the package. He just said that hunting needs to be preserved. Government needs to kind of get out of the way. This is something that Wisconsin families should be able to participate in um, hunting, kind of the culture of hunting. Um, and he recommended um, Sandhill Crane, uh, which he called the ribeye in the sky with uh, <laughs> but- butter and garlic, I think. So oh, he's got some he's got some Sandhill Crane hunting experience. It's your fun um, fact. And then you're 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 leaving out the kicker quote from him <laughs> here about his his stance on on hunting in general. Yeah. So this was actually the kicker quote in my web story about this. Um, He was talking about how hunting is God's work. And he said, the deer was made the perfect size for my arrow. So there's Ted Nugent's philosophy. You can um, cross stitch that on a, (laughs) it's probably on his living room wall. It seems, it's got that vibe to it, doesn't it? The deer was made the perfect size for my arrow. Crane, 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 cranes, cranes, cranes. All right. Well, moving on. Next up, we have schools and COVID safety protocols and and transferring. What was all this about? So this was another Republican bill that was heard in committee this week. And basically what it would do is it would make it easier for students in Wisconsin, whether they go to a public or a private school, to transfer schools because of COVID-19 restrictions or lack thereof, uh, at their school, uh, remove some of the, you know, just some of the difficulty involved with transferring schools. And Republicans say this is necessary because COVID restrictions in schools, school boards' decisions about how schools are going to handle the virus um, have been so kind of high profile and controversial and have created um, a, lot of, a lot of feelings um across <laughs> across Wisconsin. So they said this is time for the state legislature to step in. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think what's really interesting to me about this part of it is the framing, the way that the sponsor Barbara Dietrich and supporters are, are talking about it. You know, it's a, it's a Republican bill. And up until this point, it's very much been a conservative issue of not wanting districts to, you know, mandate too many COVID safety protocols, masking and vaccination. But the way they're presenting it is, hey, this is freedom for all parents or families. You know, if you don't want your kid going to a school with too many COVID restrictions, you know, you can move them. Or if your kid is going to a school that doesn't have enough COVID restrictions for your liking, you can move them too. Um, you know, again, freedom for everybody. But if you look at the groups that have come out against it, it gives you a hint that there's more of a, a partisan edge to it. Yeah, I mean, it's because when you... And that's that's the argument from sponsors is that, look, hey, Democrats shouldn't oppose this because Democrats who support having measures in schools like masking requirements or vaccine requirements, they would be just as empowered to move their student as somebody who didn't like the fact that there that there were those things in their schools. So um, I think kind of the the pushback here you mentioned that there are a lot of groups and there are a lot of groups, particularly like school administration, school board, groups that have registered their opposition to the proposal. The Wisconsin Association for School Boards was the only one that testified officially at the hearing this week. And their opposition was really interesting because normally they come in and they say, we don't support the legislature taking over local control, telling school districts what they need to do kind of meddling in school administration at that level. And that mm -hmm. wasn't their primary argument with this one. They said that what their concerns are is that it would sort of dictate to the Wisconsin Interscholastic Athletic Association, the WIAA, that they would have to allow transfer students to play sports. And the WIAA is a nonprofit group. So the school board association said, we don't really like you telling them what to do. So I guess that's kind of an, that is an autonomy argument. Uh, and then the other thing was, because this would require state funding for transfers uh, for private schools as well, they said that they didn't like the idea of state funding following some of these students to private schools if the parents had the ability to pay for that private school. So it's sort of a school choice, private school, taxpayer dollars conversation at that point, too. It's a lot of layers. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say it's that it's like, on the one hand, the official argument from the sponsor was this is just about freedom for any parent or family to choose where they want their kid to go to school because of COVID restrictions. But if you look at the way things line up, it's very much like, school choice advocates mm -hmm. are in favor of this plan. Uh, groups representing, you know, school athletics and school administrators and such are are opposed to this. Yeah. And this is just, it's really interesting timing for this proposal to be before the legislature because we have had two federal lawsuits filed in the past week about school district policies in covid 
Um, and both of these lawsuits were parents saying that the school hadn't done enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is certainly part of the political conversation in Wisconsin right now, a very timely issue. And the sponsor, Barbara Dietrich, said that this type of action from the state legislature is what's needed to kind of curb that sort of lawsuit. She said, if we don't take action, do something about this, this issue is just going to continue to be in the courts and just sort of roll around in there. And as we always have to ask in this age of divided government, what have we heard from the governor on this? The governor was quiet this week. I feel like I didn't get a lot of responses to my. Maybe he was. <laughs> he maybe was busy I'll... <laughs> shoveling, uh, you know, barley grains uh, at the port of Milwaukee. Right. Yeah. Maybe it was just like the fact that my emails were just like cranes, 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 school, school, schools. <laughs> maybe that wasn't enough for for his office to respond to these bills. <laughs> Could be. Uh, but yeah, we didn't get a response from him on this either. So we don't know where the governor stands. And obviously I, I would imagine if this conversation continues to happen, we're going to get an opinion from him because he's a, he's a school's guy. Dude has some experience with Mm -hmm. schools, if I recall correctly. I would imagine he has an opinion. Schools, school, 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 school. All right. Well, to, um, wrap this up, we got some more updates about what we talked about last week with the ongoing Republican investigation into the 2020 presidential election here in Wisconsin, featuring one former conservative Supreme Court justice, Mike Gableman. Um, there, there was a lot of news that happened last week, a lot of uh, fits and starts and steps in one direction and then another. And when we recorded the episode, it was like a point in time. And then there was even more news that broke. <laughs> yeah. So um, what what has happened since then? I feel like you were like um, describing one of those complicated wedding dances, like with your right <laughs> foot and your left foot and turn to the left to turn to the right. Yeah, it, it did kind of feel like that last week. And now everybody receives a subpoena. Right. <laughs> exactly. Now give it back. Now <laughs> They didn't give the subpoenas back. The subpoenas are still around, um, just to clarify. I think that this story, we did do a whole episode about it last week. Like you said, um, if folks didn't hear that, highly encourage you to go back and listen to it because there's a lot here. And I'm not going to go through the whole like background But uh, so basically what happened this week uh, is that we got confirmation from officials across the state and Gableman that testimony that was supposed to happen today, Friday, and next week, next Friday, in person at an office building in Brookfield from the Wisconsin Elections Commission, local clerks, um, mayors of the state's five largest cities, is not going to happen as previously scheduled. And document requests to those entities have been scaled back. So initially the request was like, give us all the documents you have related to elections. And now they're only required to provide, as of right now, documents that had been previously released under public open records requests This is an important kind of development in this story. This is something we talked about last week, the possibility of scaling back these requests and postponing these interviews. 
Uh, but there was like there was that dance about mm-hmm. it's scaled back. No, it's not. <laughs> there were reports. Gableman went on and did a an interview with a conservative radio host and said uh, his exact words were, "We were we are we will quote demand full compliance with the subpoenas." So some confusion. And now this week we have gotten confirmation, despite that pushback late last week, that things are going to look different for this investigation in Wisconsin. And then meanwhile, as this whole dance is going on, we've also heard this week from the state's top lawyer, uh, Attorney General Josh Call, who is a Democrat, Call called for the probe to be ended mm-hmm. what did we hear from him in terms of why he's saying it should be should be done so he essentially on monday held a press conference and outlined a bunch of legal concerns that he has with the investigation he said that the legislature um, in the state department of justice's opinion is kind of overstepping its authority um, by trying to conduct a law enforcement investigation. He said that they could be violating due process with some of their actions, that what was included in the subpoenas initially was, quote, overbroad, vague, irrelevant, and unduly burdensome. He said that... Judicial hot fire. Right. We get more judicial hot fire. We always have that. We got to have that periodically in Wisconsin. Or we just stop moving as a state. Mm-hmm. It's like our oxygen. Um, it's the fuel that keeps our <laughs> state's engine burning and moving. Right. So he um, he outlined these kind of practical concerns. He said, unless these legal concerns are addressed, the representatives from the Wisconsin Elections Commission, including its administrator, Megan Wolf, won't testify before investigators. Um, they get to comment, DOJ gets to comment on that and sort of weigh in because they are the official lawyer for the Elections Commission and for Wolf kind of in their state capacity. So that was kind of the practical pushback and what he had to say. But then he kind of went further and just talked more about his opposition to the investigation. He said the way that it's run has been not good. He called it not a serious investigation. He said the flaws that it's shown over the past several weeks, uh, quote, destroys any credibility that its results could have. So he he really, really pushed back on it and said that Assembly Speaker Voss needs to basically call it off. He was like, this needs to not continue in Wisconsin. It's not been run well. It has some legal problems and it's... uh, corrosive to our democracy but i think it goes without saying that uh, gableman and voss and co are not going to heed calls calls no no they're not i mean speaker voss immediately put out a statement and said that the investigation is going to continue that it's absolutely necessary to restoring faith in elections in wisconsin and all of this stuff that we talked about first like you know, getting clarification that the document requests have been scaled back and the interviews have been postponed. That all happened later this week. So we had this call from call like, hey, stop it. And then since then, we've had more developments in terms of, all right, what is this looking like right now? Um, And 
what's it potentially going to look like in the future. So this is absolutely moving forward. As of right now, smaller requests to the officials that have been subpoenaed, but Gableman said he's leaving the door open to ask more of them in the future. This is just the beginning. We're we're just getting on this this train. <laughs> this is the beginning of this process, I think. I think we should come up with like a like a theme or a logo, you know, like a hot tagline or something because I think maybe we should just have an update on this every week <laughs> in the podcast. All right, yeah, there's... a little, little insert. I'll work on some theme music. Nice, nice. Maybe it can just be me like saying Gableman, Gableman, Gableman with like a tune or something. I don't know. You're the creative <laughs> genius, All but right. this is going to be around for a while. Put it on my list. <laughs> um, Well, that was a lot mm-hmm. that we unpacked there. And thank you to all of you diehard political nerds who stuck around for this extended edition of Capital News because, you know, Laurel really nailed it with those news stories this week (laughs) earlier on. But for those folks who just want a little more, we are here for you. Laurel White is WPR's Capital Reporter. And John K. Wilson is our resident politics nerd. If you'd like to get new, uncut episodes of the WPR Politics Podcast almost every week, subscribe on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast apps. Leave a rating or review to help other people find the show. Catch up on past episodes at wpr.org slash politicspodcast. Politics Podcast.